Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hope you're excited to be in church today. I don't fully know what's going on right now, but it's, it's a good place to be. Amen. I just know that the Lord's been dealing with me some things and you know, of course, as my wife said, uh, to, to get into the, the messages that, that we have on these Tuesday nights, I think, are, are really important. And I, I think it's really important not to just do Tuesdays just to do them, but, uh, you know, to receive what God has for us and to seek him for that. And then once we get there and we get something, amen, to start walking that out. And, you know, it's... Uh, uh, and it's good for hungry people to want to come to church, and perhaps someday there'll be a day where we won't have a day that goes by without church. I don't know. But, uh, um, you know, there's, uh, there's things to get into now. And I believe, you know, with getting into all the things of God, it, it matters, you know, how we come, of course. And, you know, I was telling my wife that, you know, even before service, and I, I, I typically, you know, I don't, I don't really typically put uh, things on. My wife is the one that... You know, she's a lot more spiritual than I am, and she'll like, you know, she'll be listening to some good, sweet Christian music or something beforehand. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll go with whatever I can, can you know, I, I pray and stuff like that before service. I don't want you to think that I just come to service, you know, after watching um, Netflix, 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 yeah, Netflix marathon. Praise the Lord, but. Uh, Whew, glory to God. But, uh, yeah, so at any rate, there is, I was just a real a worshipful presence in my, uh, I guess in my house, in my, my shower. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Praise God. Hallelujah. But it was there, and, and you know, I, I asked my son specifically to, to do that, that song, and I'm, I'm glad that he knew it. I'm glad he could do it, because there's just, uh, that's been my heart, you know, uh, on this. And so, praise God. Well, let's just get into the message, because... I believe it'll help us. I believe it'll be good. Amen. It's going to take us somewhere. Amen. Amen. Tonight's message is called the Spirit-Filled Life. And of course, we're doing the Spirit-Filled Life, but filled by worship. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I'm glad my wife was excited for that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But we, we, we are going to be talking about being filled and how to get filled and being filled by, uh, filled by worship. Amen. But the spirit-filled life is a very important thing to understand. Of course, we hear a lot in our circles. We hear a lot about, you know, being spirit-filled. And we're going to kind of look at a little bit more what that means. And, of course, that's what we're doing or endeavoring to do through all these services. And, you know, some of the things that I may say uh, may be a little bit different than what you've heard. You know, I've really been seeking God out to get get uh, what he, his heart is on the matter. And, and, and uh, this, this is... Uh, uh, th and this is what I come to, amen. You know, sometimes I uh, sometimes I feel like you got to lay down your doctrine. You got to lay down your. You know, it's good to have doctrine. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes I feel like you got to lay down the things that you thought you knew, so you can find out what God knows, amen. And of course, it's always in line with the word. It should always be in line with the word. But how many know that we can see the word uh, 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 in more depths than what we uh, kind of originally start with, amen. And so that's what we're getting into. But I just want to do a quick recap. Um, you know, I had mentioned last time, not last week, but the week before, I mentioned that, that living spirit-filled is about connecting to God. First and foremost, you know, people have a lot of ideas about being spirit-filled. You know, they say, well, if you're, if you're spirit-filled, you're going to pray in tongues. Well, that's part, that can be part of it, praise the Lord, but that's not what spirit-filled is. You know, some people think that if you're spirit-filled, you're going to sing certain songs, and that can be part of it, but that's not all of what it is. Some people think that if you're spirit-filled, you know, there's going to be uh, there's going to be certain manifestations. You know, uh, you know whether it's uh, you know Holy Ghost services with people running around and laughing, or, or or people getting excited, and that can be part of it, but that's certain that isn't what it is. Amen. Spirit-filled is literally about connecting to God, and if I could say it this way a little bit better it's more about yielding to God and learning how to yield to God and the thing that makes us different is that we have a actual good spirit that we can yield to you know there's a lot of religions out there there's a lot of religions that have spirits a lot of religions that yield to spirits in fact there's a lot of people in certain religions that yield to those spirits much better than Christians do to a godly spirit 
but we want God's spirit. We don't want just any old spirit. You know, the Bible tells us to test the spirits. We should be someone, or we should be uh, uh, intelligent enough spiritually that we can know if something is good or not. Amen. We should be intelligent enough spiritually to be able to, to discern whether or not somebody preaching is preaching the truth. Even if you don't have the word specifically in front of you, sometimes you should be open and, and enough to the spirit where you can say, there's something wrong about that. You know, and there's been certain things over my, my years of being a Christian that sometimes I'd hear a scripture preached a certain way, and even though the minister is good, the minister is godly, every once in a while I hear something, and I'll be like, something doesn't sit right about that. Maybe I won't even know fully what it is, but as, I, as I've gotten into some of these things and I started studying them out, I started finding, you know, the reason why it didn't seem right is because I don't think it was. You know, we can preach, we can get it stirred up and excited and we can preach our revelation, but if we don't take time to put our revelation up against the test, do you know what I mean by that? I mean, if we get something on the inside, we're reading the scripture and we're like, oh, I think it means this. And then we go at it thinking that it means that. We don't ever really question it or really dig into it. You know, you can't go to the word uh, looking to prove something. You need to go to the, 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 the word looking to find truth. If you go to the Word trying to find something specific, you'll probably find it. But that doesn't make it truth. And so this is how uh, people you know, can get off and get into things that aren't always uh, exactly what God has for us. And God will work with us. Certainly, we're not all going to have it perfect. But God works with us regardless. Amen? Praise the Lord. We, we talked about uh, Ephesians 5.18. And if I, have my, uh, if, I, I, if I have some understanding of where this service is going, we're probably going to get back into that scripture. But, uh, you know, Ephesians 5.18, I might not read it in the NASB as, or quote it in the NASB as I say it right now. But, you know, as I just think about that scripture and it says, you know, do not be filled with wine which is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, and that, that scripture uh, literally means to be filled with the Holy Spirit literally means by means of the Holy Spirit. It's not just that the Spirit, and we have to look at this right. You know, the Spirit is not a substance. The Holy Spirit is not a substance that, 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 uh, is, is, uh, that we would be filled with, but He is the one who does the filling. And so if you look at that and, and study that, and, and I have studied that in commentaries and Greek scholarship and stuff like that, and that's literally what it means. And so we understand that it means that we can be filled with or filled by means of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And that's really important. It's really important to understand because when we understand that we're filled by means of the Holy Spirit, then we understand that we must have to connect to him in order to be filled. Yeah. You know, we have gas stations here in town. We have a quick fill rate up here that I often use. And uh, it seems like, uh, generally speaking, that they have an unlimited supply of gas. You know, I could go over there and put my card in and probably just start squeezing the nozzle and it would pump gas for quite a long time, even if I wasn't putting it in anything, right? Amen. But, uh, but, but we do know that you have to go there to get filled. Be, uh, you know, if you're going to fill up on gas, you have to go there. Where was I going with this? I, uh, by means of, yeah, 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 yeah. By means of the gas pump is what you go, you, you, you're doing it with. And so it's the same thing with the Spirit. The Spirit is the one, He's kind of the one who's filling you. Uh, with the things and the gifts and all the other things that he does, but it, it comes by means of him through him. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, and I wanted to make sure that I say this, that, you know, because a lot of people use the scripture. Can you go ahead and pull it up real quick? Ephesians 5.18. You know, a lot of people focus on this scripture. They, they, they focus on this first part. Do not get drunk with wine. Uh, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. They focus on uh, understanding the Scripture by focusing on the first part. But I believe that that's an error, because when we do that, if we focus just on that first part, then we're going to kind of filter the whole Scripture through that. But we, when we understand that the purpose of this, what it's telling us, is that really what it's drawing us to is to be filled by, or by, by the means of the Holy Spirit. It's telling us that you... Uh, you know that being drunk with something drunk with wine using that as an example is a certain kind of filling to excess that uh, can block the things that God wants us to get into right. amen yeah. 
Praise the Lord. And again, I want to mention this again, not, not that there can't be specific and strange manifestations of the Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does things that are different, will have us do things that were different. If you don't believe me, just look at the life of Jesus. One time he spit in the mud and then uh, put it in the eyes of, uh, of a blind man and the blind man was healed. If you were watching that, you would think it's strange. Amen. There's other times, there's other things throughout the scripture where people did different things by the Spirit and it seemed weird. Amen. And that's okay. Weird isn't bad as long as it's God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But we want to make sure that it's God and that's why we stick to the word. But we're going to start in scripture here. Let's go ahead and turn to Jude 1.18. Praise the Lord. And if you find Jude, the thing you're going to find about Jude is that there's only one. Amen. So if you find Jude, then you just go to 18. <laughs> power-packed book of the Bible. Glory to God. Jude 1.18. Uh, you know, let's just go to 17 because I'll just put it in context a little bit better. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. That they were saying to you in the last time there would be mockers following after their own godly lusts. These, these are the ones who cause divisions. They're worldly-minded. But this is what we're focusing, we're getting out of this today, is they're devoid of the Spirit. That also means without the Spirit, or not having the Spirit. That's how it can literally be translated. And so this was a warning that came in times past, that in, the, uh, that in the last time, and I would say that if they were in the last time, we're in the more in the last time, amen? But there will be mockers, glory to God. You know, when it says that there's mockers, go ahead and go back to verse 18. When it says that they're mockers, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because when we think of a mocker, we think of somebody, you know, like a kid taunting another kid, you know, standing over there or somebody at a baseball or football game and they're, they're taunting the, the players on the field, you know, they're doing it from the safety of the bleachers or something like that, you know. Um, and that's often what we think of as mockers, but that's not all that mock, mocking is. Do you realize that if you claim one thing but you do another, that's a form of mockery? And that's really what this is, is pointing to. It's pointing to religious people who are mockers in the, the end times. That they follow, and the one of the first signs that we see about them, one of the first things that we can understand about them, or at least one of the first things in the importance, of, uh, as, as uh, Jude is saying it here, is that they would be followers of their own ungodly lusts. And so they're, they're filling themselves with whatever their flesh says, these are, you know, we see this a lot in Christianity today. We see a lot of Christians who are, uh, you, you know, they call themselves Christians. They say, I'm a child of God, but they mock God. They mock the faith because they follow their own lusts. They follow their own, uh, their own flesh, whatever they want to do. And, 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 you know, lust, we look at that and sometimes we think lust has got to be this, this big thing. But lust is really anything that would pull your heart away from God. And this is where, you know, in, in connection with, it's interesting to me that, because originally when I, I had finished this, this sermon, I didn't have these scriptures in there. But then the Lord drew me to these yeah. as I was studying and meditating on things. And he drew me to these to bring these up and highlight these. And go ahead and go back to verse 19. That, they're, uh, that, that they cause divisions. And so we know that that's one thing that's, that's very important, is not causing divisions. You know, uh, a divisive person is something that God can't stand. And this is why I always try to find peace. If as much as it's up to you, the Bible tells us, live in peace at all times. And sometimes we all know that's very difficult to do, right? Sometimes that's a very difficult thing to live in peace. But, but and, and this specifically is not talking about necessarily in the world, although I would say it's not good to be divisive in the world. But it's speaking about the church. We don't want to preach against somebody. We don't want to tear somebody down. And I really try and make an effort never to do that. Because that's not my job as a minister. My, my job as a minister is to build. It's to edify, it's to exhort, it's to, to, to build something up, not tear it down. And that's what God has called us to, amen? But people who cause divisions often are like are the worldly-minded. 
Many times Christians are just worldly minded. They do things like the world does. They live like the world lives. They act like the world acts. They, they, uh, they make decisions the way the world would make decisions. You know, you say to a Christian, you say, well, the Bible says this, and, you say, and, and people who have a hard time with that are really just giving in, being worldly minded. Amen? But the most important thing that I think and the most dangerous thing here is these people are devoid of the Spirit. They, in other words, there's a void inside them. Jesus died, and part of the reason he died was to bring, his, bring us his Spirit, to place his Spirit on the inside of us. There's a lot of people who claim that they're spiritual people. They may even act like spiritual people, but they, they're still devoid of the Spirit. Just because somebody has some kind of crazy manifestations or has visions. In fact, one of the things that I've found a lot of times, especially with people who are off a little bit, is people who have visions a lot that aren't submitted to a local church, aren't submitted to a pastor, aren't su submitted to a body of Christ. Uh, people who have a lot of visions and, and all these uh, interactions with God, most of the time they are false. I said most of the time they are false. And you might look at me and say, well, how can we know that? Well, the Bible, and we've talked, we talk about it a lot around here, but the Bible has a lot to say about submission. Submission to husbands and wives, submitting to each other. Uh, submission of, of people to the church. Submission of the youth to the elders and uh, the, young, the young Christians to the older Christians and the older Christians to the younger Christians and the people to their pastor and their pastor to the people. In all these areas, there's lots of areas where submission, actually we see that God wants us to live a life of submission and people who won't go to a local church or won't connect to a local church or won't be under a pastor are people that won't be submitted and if they're not submitting to what they can see I know they won't submit to what they can't see. Well, they might submit, but it's not going to be the right thing because they're not going to even know it. And, and you might think, well, how can we know that they wouldn't know it? Because it's very simple. God gave us church. He didn't give us church because we didn't need it. He gave us church and pastors and ministry offices because we need them. If we didn't need them, he wouldn't have given them. If there was something that we could go without, he wouldn't have said it was important. But he said it was important. And so God has given us all these things to help keep us balanced, to keep us grounded. Do you know what I find as a pastor? I need to be grounded. I need to be balanced. Amen. I have a wife that helps keep me balanced, and that's a wonderful thing. But I also have a pastor that helps keep me balanced. And I have a pastor's, my pastor's pastor who helps keep me balanced. Amen. And I, although I don't always sit in their services, I am submitted to them. I, I submit things before them, important things especially. Amen. Praise God. And so uh, we understand this, that if you aren't submissive, you aren't going to get the Spirit. You're not going to get, you, you'll have the Spirit. You can be saved and have the Spirit. But we have to learn how to submit. Amen. To a degree, we even have to know how to submit to the world. Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, that doesn't go over really, uh, real good all the time, but it's the truth. We have to know how to submit to other people. And what do I mean by that? I don't mean that we just yield to people who are out in sin and living in sin and stuff like that. But I mean is we, we have to be able to yield in a degree to be able to win the world. Because you can't win somebody through love if you're not going to love them. And love causes one to submit. It causes you to lay down the things that you want for something greater. Amen? Praise God. So how do we get filled? I know you want to know how do we get filled. You know, we, we, we talk about this and a lot of them we, we talk about in our circles, we talk about the difference between being spirit-filled and being spirit unfilled or non not in spirit filled believers. And we would often say that a lot of denominations are unspirit filled or not spirit filled. And so we're often known as spirit filled. In fact, in the Christian world, uh, what, what, what's typically called spirit filled is also called goofy. Amen? It's just the way that it is. I think, well, there's spirit. They, those people have the spirit, holy rollers, stuff like that, you know. The Pentecostals, they're the ones that do all the goofy, have the goofy services and the, all the different outpourings and all this stuff. Praise the Lord. But I would have to tell you that the Lord wants us all to be filled. In fact, if you are born again, you are spirit filled, at least to a degree. Now, a lot of people might not like that, but it's the truth. If you have been born again, God has placed his spirit on the inside of you. You don't need to get any more of the Holy Spirit. He's already there. 
what you need to do is learn how to yield to the Holy Spirit. Once you learn how to yield to the Holy Spirit, there's other things that he will do. There's other things he will put into you. Glory to God. But that's important for us to understand that. Amen? Praise the Lord. So how do we get filled? Well, the first thing we do is get born again. Then we get spirit filled and then we can allow him to, to, to fill us up. Amen? He is an unending well of spiritual things. Glory to God. And I'm so thankful for that. And he's right on the inside of us. Amen? <clears throat> Some believe or see worship, and this is what we're talking about tonight, and we, we need to remember this because these things do go hand in hand. Some believe or see worship as singing songs to God, simply singing songs to God. And there is a truth that when we sing songs to God, that we do things, we do so, that's praise and worship, we call them those things. But there is a difference between praise and worship, and worship is an important thing. But what worship really does, and a lot of people don't understand, you know, they'll go, they'll actually go to a church or not go to a church because they don't like the worship. It's kind of a dumb reason to go get fed. You know, it'd be like if you didn't go to a restaurant that had the best steak because they didn't have very good appetizers, right? I mean, the appetizer prepares you for the meal, right? But the meal is what you're there for. Why we come to church matters. And see, a lot of people don't even know why we come to church. We come to church so we get fed. We go come to church because hopefully we're hungry. Some people come to church full and they don't get much when they come. And why is that? Because they're full of something else. People come in full of the world and then they wonder why, where the Spirit of God is and why aren't things changing. It's because you haven't let go of all the other stuff yet. If you constantly come to God full of something else, He ain't gonna be able to fill you. Why? Because you're only so big. Praise God, hallelujah. Even if you're really big, you're only so big and God can only fill it so much. Amen? That's the truth. We can't, I mean, you, there's only so much. And you know, the limitations in you or the limitations of what God can do in you have nothing to do with him. We serve an infinite God, hallelujah. We serve a God who's more than big enough. We serve a God who can make us, remake us and make us again, glory to God and do it all in, in the way that he sees fit in a way that's really effective for his kingdom, amen. But he has made us finite. He has made us only so big. And the reason he's made us only so big is because what he wants us full of is him. Yeah. Amen. If he made us really, really big, it'd take us a long time to realize we're too full of everything else. You know, if you take an ocean, glory to God, if you take a lake, compare uh, the Atlantic Ocean to Chautauqua Lake. Does everybody know what the Atlantic Ocean is? <laughs> Amen. If you don't, it's a lot bigger than Chautauqua Lake. I mean a lot. Well, let's do this because we'll just do this. Lake Erie is a lot bigger than Chautauqua Lake. Right? Yes. You could take Chautauqua Lake out of Lake Erie, the same body of water, the same amount of water that's in Chautauqua Lake out of Lake Erie, and it wouldn't be much, very noticeable. Right. But if you took the amount of water that's in Lake Erie out of Chautauqua Lake, you'd be really dry for a really long time. Yeah. Amen? <laughs> and see, it's the same thing. But it, it's the same thing with God. If he made us this, the, you know, with this amazingly huge capacity, we could live a whole life and go through a whole life without ever, uh, without ever realizing that we're too full of something else. Yeah. Or, you know, the same thing. If you start dumping lots of water into a bigger body of water, you're not going to, uh, you're, you're not going to notice it as quickly. And so God wants to keep us on track, as, as, and so he made us the perfect size. And of course, I'm not talking about natural size. Amen? Praise the Lord. But what worship is, is worship prepares the heart to receive from God. So when we come together for worship, when we have songs at the beginning of service, we, spit, we pick specific songs for specific reasons. We don't just play any Christian song. There are lots of Christian songs out there. Some people like that. In fact, I've heard some as I've watched other places. They've done songs and I'm like, I wouldn't do that song for worship. There's been times where we've picked a song and we've done it. And we're like, eh, it doesn't really go. It doesn't work. Amen. And so it's important to understand that the, the music that we play, it's not about the talent or lack of talent. It's not about the ability or lack of ability. It's not about uh, how many people that we can have up here and what kind of, you know, how many, uh, how big our worship team can be. Although it does help to have people bringing their supply, but it's not about all that. We don't do all that just to have a show. 
in a lot of churches, this becomes the show. The worship team, I mean. They, you, know, you know, we have to have we have to have a certain number of people. We have to have a certain number of this or that. We have to have, uh, you know, choruses or choirs or whatever, you know. And I'm not saying if, that people have those, that they're wrong. But I'm just saying some people think you have to have them. But Jesus never had a guitar player. He never had a 10-piece uh, band or an orchestra. He never had a, is there a 10-piece band? Can you have a 10-piece band? Sure, yeah, all right. Just making sure that I'm, uh, glory to God, just thinking, making sure I'm on track here. I don't know how the band thing works either. Amen. Praise God. But you know, that, that's not, we don't do it for people's enjoyment. We do it for people to help people get to that place where they can receive of God, where they can eat their meal. Amen. Praise God. Worship is literally emptying yourself of you. And this is why I can say honestly that worship is, is one, the number one way to get spirit-filled. Amen? And again, we're not talking about a place of, uh, you know, to get the Holy Spirit to come on us. He's already there. But I'm talking about from the place of being filled with his direction, filled with his goodness, filled with his love, filled with his ability, filled with the things he wants to fill us with. Amen? The power of God can only be manifested as much as the carriers of the power of God are filled. So people are wondering, they're like, well, where's the end day revival? Well, you ain't got to look very far. Just find a mirror. And if you don't have one, we can provide you with one. Where's the end day revival? It's in you. The end day revival is in the amount that you're willing to yield to him. And, you know, these things don't happen overnight. When we've had revivals uh, in the past, actually a lot of times, and this is what I've been studying out, some revivals. I've been studying an amazing one. Actually, I just finished a little book today, and it was another one of those books I just happened to come across and just happened to get into. And maybe nobody even, probably nobody even in our churches have even heard of the book. I certainly hadn't, and I had never heard of it. But I got into it and I read it because the Lord directed me to do, the, do so. And as I read it, what I realized, as I read that and other books, what I realized is that there's one common denominator for all revivals, and that's people who are hungry, yeah. hungry for God. Yeah. And people who are truly hungry for God are, are emptying themselves of themselves. They're not looking at what I can fill myself up with. They're looking at how can I get more of God because what I have isn't satisfying. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. It's amazing. I was reading about the, uh, the Church of God and how that started. It actually started before Azusa Street. And if you don't know what Azusa Street is, Azusa Street was a mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God. And there was great and wonderful things that happened. There was amazing miracles that happened. And it sparked a, a bunch of different denominations came out of it. But I found out, I always thought that the Church of God came out of Azusa Street, but it actually preceded it. And it started in the backwoods of some Tennessee, or Tennessee, or, or just across the border into, I think, North Carolina. It started down in that area in, the, in, in just a few people that were hungry and they sought after God and they were tired of having denominational rules and, 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 and being held back from getting those things and they just wanted to seek after God. Amen. Praise God. Lord, I wondered if this would be a thing. And so if you want me to come back to that, Father, I will. But I want to keep it submitted before you and just excuse me while I have a minute with him because there's something I saw earlier and I'm there right now and I just want to make sure that it's him because of implications of it. At any rate, amen. So Romans 12.1, this is a scripture I thought I was going to start with, so I'm just going to pull it up for you now because we're going to get into some other good stuff. Amen. Praise the Lord. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to to present your bodies, you present your bodies. You present your bodies, a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Hallelujah. How do we, how do we, how do we worship God? And this, we present ourselves. You know, when, when, when we talk about songs, yes, worship can be in song, 
but not just singing a worship song is worship. And how many times have you come into church, and just be honest with yourself, but how many times have you just come in ser- into service and you just sang the song because that was the song we were singing? And you gave no thought to it, or maybe you were distracted, and you just went through the words, or maybe you knew the words, and you just almost sang it without even thinking about it. See, people think that, the, uh, that, people think that worship is the song that's being played, but it's not. It's the heart that's portraying it. It's a heart that's reaching for. Amen? And so what worship does, what these songs do, is they should make us think. They should put us in a place of thinking. But worship isn't just in song. Worship, you can worship while reading your word. You can worship with thanksgiving. You, you worship with all kinds of things by being a good Christian, by being hungry for the Lord, by helping people, by serving, by doing anything that you can possibly think of. All these things are worship to God. Everything that you will everything that you will let go of that belongs to you and grab onto that belongs to him. The things that he has for you. Every time you do that that's a form of worship. And so when we come before the Lord, that's how we should come. When we come to church, we need to come already, uh, already with that, that heart that I'm, I'm coming. That's why we say it's important how you come to church. It matters how we come here. Amen? And it doesn't matter that you come in joy, maybe happy and stirred up and excited, and you're laughing and all those things. All that stuff is good, but have a heart toward getting to God. Amen? Because that's what it's all about anyways. Amen? Some people serve. We have lots of people that serve in our churches. We got many people in here that are serv- servants for the local church. But when you serve for the local church, do you serve as unto the Lord? Or are you just doing what you were told? Because see, there's a difference between serving God and serving man. If you do what you're told, you're serving man. But if you do it with a heart for God, you're doing it for him. And then that becomes worship. See, worship isn't far from any of us. It's really just an attitude. It's not, it's not something that we can't obtain. It's not something that's so hard for us to understand. Literally, the word worship means to lick the hand like a dog would lick the hand. It means to bow down. It means to humble yourself. It means this word that we keep using called submission. It means that you lay down you for the sake of another. I stop doing certain things because I'm worshiping my Lord. Amen? And that's what worship is all about. Praise God. Living immoral lives will inhibit you from true spiritual worship. Worship is the door into the supernatural. And so again, it's not just saying, God, I worship you. That's a a lot of times how we do it. I find myself doing it because it's kind of how we've been taught. We just do it, you know. We just heard it. and Not really even been taught, but we heard it. That's what we do. Lord, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. What is that? Well, really, in the heart of a person that really truly wants to worship God, their heart is maybe, I don't even know the words, but Lord, this is what I want. I want to worship you. And that in of itself becomes worship because your heart is trying to reach out to God. You're hungry for him. You want what he has. You want to get into the things that he has that he's laid out for you to get into. And maybe, and it's not even specific things. You know, when I talk about things, I'm not talking about like, okay, what kind of house do you have for me, Lord? No, that will come when you are just following God. Not what kind of car do I drive? Not, not how much money or job or any of that stuff. But no, Lord, what, what is it that you want? What do you want my life to look like? What path do you have me on? What things am I stepping into as I'm going? Who am I talking to? This is worship and that's desire. That's true godly desire. And that's how we keep ourselves hungry for the Lord. See, a lot of people, what they do is they come into church and they start up and maybe God does some good things in their lives. Maybe they hear the word and things have changed. They've turned and all of a sudden my life is doing better. And then some time goes by and then pretty soon they find themselves kind of getting stale. And kind of get. And listen, we all get there. So if you're there, don't, don't feel bad because we all get to that place. And sometimes we get to that place many times. It's because we lose worship. We lose what worship is. Worship has to come from the inside out. You know, we think that we're worshiping, and you can, you, you can convince a lot of people that you're really good at worshiping, but never be a worshiper at all. <clears throat> Living immoral lives will inhibit you from true worship. Why do you want to live a moral life? Why would I want to stop sinning? 
Because if I don't stop sinning, that inhibits me from worshiping. And if it inhibits me from worshiping, then it inhibits me from connecting to God. And if it inhibits me from connecting to God, then I can't receive from what God has. See, and it's all the difference. Like, why, why can a person sitting right next to you receive something and the one next to you, next to him not? Because one is worshiping and one is not. Whether they're saying anything or not. You say, well, that person is stoic like Reverend Josh. You never know if he's happy or sad or whatever. He's just, it's just him. Amen. Well, you get an idea. I've seen him pretty stoked, pretty stoked up. Amen. But, uh, you know, people, there's people like, like Reverend Josh that are, are more stoic and they, and, they, and they don't necessarily aren't real expressive. But I know he loves the Lord. I know he worships God. He, he has God in his ears all the time. He's constantly living, listening to the scripture. He's constantly coming to me. Pastor, what about this? Or what about that? What is that? It's somebody who's hungry after God. He's stoking those fires. He's stoking the fires under his own chicken. Amen. <clears throat> As we like to say around here. And if you don't know what we're talking about, that's okay. We don't know what we're talking about either. Amen. It's not the expression necessarily that does it. It's not the, you know, I, and listen, I believe that Reverend Tony, if you know Reverend Tony Jones up, uh, uh, up in the Jamestown Church, I call him dad. Uh, if, you, if you know him, I believe wholeheartedly the man knows how to worship. But we can't make the assumption that just because he can sing good and knows songs that he can. Now I know because I know, know of his life and how he lives, but the point that I'm trying to make is sometimes people see people that can sing really good and think that they're worshipful, but they're not. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. We better go ahead and turn to John 4 because you wanted to get there. <clears throat> I know you did. As my wife told me. She ain't going to tell me twice. Oh, she will, but the second time won't be near as fun for me. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. See, I ain't even going anywhere with that because I get. No, she got Aaron on her side. Uh. <laughs> Oh, well, it's all right, sister. We, she needs, you know, sometimes people treat, treat, treat uh, pastor's wives, they treat them less than, but, you know, uh, Aaron certainly won't. And we appreciate it. No, we, we, we appreciate that. Absolutely. We appreciate you more than you know. Yeah, she is. There's always a little bit of holy fear in me when I start talking. <laughs> it better be good about your wife. I could just, I could, I could feel it. coming. <laughs> not, not that I, yeah, I know she does. I know you do. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. This is why I love this church. No, it really is. This is why we, we have the greatest church on earth. And if you're from another church, I'm just sorry what you have to deal with. <laughs> what can I tell you? <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. John 4, 7. Did I say that? <clears throat> There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. I want to, can I point out something? Just, yeah. just kind of a freebie. Yeah. I saw this today for the first time, I never saw it before. <clears throat> I do not believe that Jesus was calling himself the gift. <clears throat> he calls himself the who, but he doesn't call himself the gift of God. If you knew the, what the gift of God was, what does Jesus deliver to us? What do we know the living water is a reference to? The Holy Spirit. So the gift of God is, alive. I mean, I've heard people talk about is Jesus, you know, you know, why would he call himself the gift of God? I don't believe that Jesus was that full of himself to do that. But he, he wouldn't have been wrong. I mean, Jesus was a gift to us all. But the gift of, uh, gift of God, we understand that, there is, that God, Jesus put a certain importance on the Holy Spirit coming. 
that it wasn't just, he's like, salvation wasn't enough. Do you understand that? Salvation wasn't enough. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit was coming. <clears throat> well, if you disagree with me, that's fine, but uh, praise the Lord. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. I, even, I love the symbolism. Even in that, like, I just love it. Like, the, you have nothing to draw with. You don't even know what I'm drawing from, girl. <laughs> I mean, that's just, I just love that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. Do you know what this is? I mean, when you look at this, you can really, I mean, there's so much that we can draw out of this. Uh, no pun intended, but like, uh, you, you, you know, when, even when he's looking at everyone who drinks of this, what he's talking about is earthly things. Everybody who's filled and earthly things, they're going to thirst again. In other words, it's never going to fill you enough. Whatever, you, whatever you're after in life, if it's anything less than God, you're going to hunger again. You're going to thirst again. And there's a reason, again, that God did that. I mean, we, he could have made us so we never had to eat, but he didn't do that, did he? He, he did it so he could talk about, talk about things like this. Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So the water that Jesus was going to give will become a well of water springing up until eternal, eternal life. What do we know about uh, a well? You have to draw in order to get out of it. And it's the same thing with God. You have to draw in close with the Holy Spirit if you're going to ever draw it out. And how do we do that? We do that through worship. Worship of God is the drawing of the well. Glory to God. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. See, she still didn't get it. And he said to her, Go call your husband and come here. <clears throat> the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband. See, now he's going he's to get it into terms that she can understand. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Good job. <laughs> Good job, perceive. I, I'm sorry, I just can't, I can't help with the commentary. These are things that sometimes as a pastor I just like to say. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're talking with somebody and you know what's wrong, you know what's right, and they're just not getting it. You just want to be like, you know, well, praise God. Anyways. Hallelujah. Where am I? <clears throat> yeah, you're probably, yeah, thank you. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Notice again, he's making this reference, they're making, she's making this reference to the worldly things. Man, men can come up with pretty good ideas, can't they? People can come up with great ideas of how, how we should, uh, how, how God, how we should connect with God. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks as his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit. And in truth. Now I'm going to read you from the faith fix because it was just so good. We cannot fake true, true worship. We can sing songs, we can go through the motions, but if our hearts are not in it, it's not worship at all. We must worship God as a spirit within our very spirits. That means to our core, to the real us on the inside. God must be held as holy. We must also worship him in truth or as a fact. Many scholars translate this word to reality. That means we need to actually live our reality in him. In keeping with the truth as taught in the word, 
reverencing God in our lifestyles and respecting the duties of man as seen in God's truth. Let me put this plainly. We must have our whole hearts in it and our actions need to be in line with what's in our hearts. I said that good, love. That was wonderful. <clears throat> Amen. Our whole hearts must be in it. You know, when we serve, we talk about serving a lot, but when we serve, how do we serve? Are our whole hearts in it? Whatever's asked of us? Whatever's needed? I mean, even I, in myself, I have to ask myself this question all the time. Because sometimes you can just get into the flow of what you do and you just think, well, you know, this is what I want. But is your whole heart into it? I mean, do you give to it everything that you would give to anything else? And I'm not talking about things like sacrificing your family and, and stuff like that. That should never be uh, something we have to do uh, for true worship because, or, or for true serving because God would never call us to sacrifice our family. In fact, he's told us just the opposite. If you sacrifice your family, you're worse than an infidel. You're worse than an unbeliever. Worse than an unbeliever to sacrifice your family. That should speak to us. Amen? Worship, worship is submission. So if one will not submit and worship, they will not submit to God. Being spirit-filled happens through worship. If we want, you know, worship is what, it's not exactly what we're doing, but it's how we're doing it. It's how we're going about in life. Amen? So many times people, I actually have this written down for next, after the next set of scriptures. But worship is not what you do, it's what you do with yourself. Amen? Let me say that again. Worship is not what you do, it's what you do with yourself. Glory to God. Do you do all things as unto the Lord? See, the, the idea is coming to God in this, in this, uh, this place of, of willingness to just give him everything. See, we want everything from God. What is it you ask from God? You want something from him. But the question is, what are you willing to bring? And it's not because God's so petty that he's like, well, if you give me one, I'll give you one. Because that's not the way it works with God. But it also doesn't work. I'm going to give you everything because he already has. And if we truly understand that, we'd understand that he's already given us everything. But then I'm going to take what little bits you bring to me here and there. You know, I, I've heard of people that have, like, you can give whatever you want to give. It's between you and God. You know, I'm, I'm not going to judge you on that. But I've heard of people before who have gone out and wasted money on all kinds of things. They've wasted money on partying. They've wasted money on, on, on recreation. They've wasted money on everything. And then they come to the Lord and they say, well, here's your tip. And then they want God to bless them with more, and he never does. And I just found in my life that people who truly give to God out of their heart never go without. I've never seen it. I've never, ever seen it. Whenever we do something, we try to do it for the glory of God. And the reason we try to do it for the glory of God is because that's what the Bible tells us to do. And if we do something for the glory of God, God hooks up with it. God blesses it. He increases it. He makes it better. But when we do it for the glory of man... Carpet gets pulled out. Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. God is seeking the worship in spirit and truth. And so often we get this idea that, you know, what, what is spirit and truth? You know, it's, it's, it's in, in, in accordance, yielded to his spirit. Glory to God. Yielding our spirits to his spirit. How, how is it? Of course, I've been talking about it all day. But in truth, in line with the word, what is truth or reality? What, what, do we really do it? You know, there's a lot of people that, even in serving, and I, I use serving a lot because serving, I've seen it over the years, even way back when, when we were, when that's what we were doing was, was just serving in the local church. There was people that served because they wanted to be something or they wanted to do something. And then there was people that served because they, 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 they really wanted to connect with God. That's reality. That's truth. If you want to worship God in truth, you can't do it with your, because you may fake out your neighbor, you may fake out, you may fake out your pastor, and you may do it for a long time, but you won't fake out God, amen? amen. Praise God. So we're going to go to Ephesians, because I told you we would get there. Oh. <clears throat> Ephesians 5. Glory to God. See, I know, like, when we talk about living a spirit-filled life, you know, in a lot of people's minds, what they want, they want, they want those, 
They want to get into those services where there's a, the flow of the Spirit. And I'm, and I'm telling you, those things will happen. Those things where the, there's a flow of the Spirit and amazing manifestations and, you know, healings. I mean, I'm still waiting on God. You know, I remember when I was praying that one time, and I shared it with you all, that I was praying and I heard in my spirit, I started praying out of my spirit, amazing miracles in Mayville, praise God. And that wasn't just to stoke people up and get them stirred up, but I really, truly prayed that out and I believed that that was from the Lord. And we haven't seen amazing miracles in Mayville yet. But we have to get to a place where we can receive amazing miracles where we can carry those things. Amen? The Bible tells us that God, uh, that, that God doesn't give those who uh, uh, that, that, that deal with the little poorly. He doesn't give them more. And so God isn't blessing with more those who deal poorly with what they have. And so if we're not even willing to look at the little things to walk in the Spirit, uh, what, what, how are we going to, how, how will we ever expect for the greater things? Amen? It doesn't mean we have to be perfect. It's not about being perfect. And I want, I want to emphasize this. It is not about perfectly walking out everything and doing everything just the way God said it. Do you realize that you, there is, I, I think I recently talked about this and I'm going to bring it up again. I do not believe that with free will, a perfect plan or a, or a, a, a set plan, a set in stone plan that can't be altered, that's not malleable, I th don't think the two things can exist. If God has a perfect plan and it, is o it only looks like this, we can, then, then most of us will never get into it because we've, never, we've already been out of it. Right. Amen? But God's plan, it, it's not that it, it's changeable in the sense that, okay, if we just screw up, he's just going to keep changing it. That's not what I'm talking about either. We have to find balance in it. That God's plan is not based on whether or not we're perfect. If it was... That's a pretty stupid thing to do, right? I mean, if God created us imperfect or with the ability to sin, but then like said, well, I, I only have a perfect plan. It can only be filled this way. That's not what he means by perfect. Glory to God. Well, amen. <clears throat> Ephesians 5, 7. Therefore, do not... <laughs> do you know what's a perfect plan? Being in the one that works. Yeah. Glory to God. Yeah. My, my, my marriage is perfect because it works good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't need every detail of it to just be, you know, all, all, all like, like she makes it. Like real good like she makes it. Did I do okay, Erin? <laughs> She's making it real good. If there's any faults, it's my fault. Glory to God. But, uh, you know, we couldn't have a perfect marriage with me. I'm just telling you the truth. But we have a perfect marriage. It's not about being perfect in the sense of every detail, every minute detail is just so. And God doesn't look at our lives that way. You know, sometimes we think, like, if I, you know, this, and this isn't licensed to go screw up. Like, just don't go say, okay, well, God doesn't have a, a set in stone plan. His plan is malleable, so I'm going to go screw up for a little while. No, don't do that either, because you'll find yourself nowhere near it. Amen? Well, anyways, <laughs> praise God. Ephesians 5, 7. Therefore, do not, do not be partakers with them. And of course, what it was talking about is immorality. Living an immoral life, don't, don't be partakers with them. Why? Why should we not be partakers? Because it stops us from being able to get to Him. God wants us to interact with Him. But immorality is doing the same thing as it always did. It's a blockage in the flow of us to Him. Amen. Amen. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn, look at trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do you know what trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord is? It's worship. That's what it is when you have a heart for God. Like, Lord, I want to know what's pleasing to you. So I'm trying to learn this. I'm trying to figure it out. That's, that's worship. That's sacrifice. That's the kind of sacrifice and worship God was looking for. That you cared enough to, like, do you, do you realize that God wants you to, you know, isn't it nice sometimes just to care enough or to have somebody who just care enough to ask? Yes. You know, sometimes you go through a day and maybe, you know, people don't even think, you know, well, how are you doing? 
You know what I mean? It's always like, well, this or this or this. And you especially see that with people that are, are drains, that they're constantly, everything is always wrong. And you know what I mean? And stuff like that. But no, that's why we say even, even as pastors, don't, don't hesitate to give us testimonies. We like that. It blesses us when we hear what God's doing good in your life. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> that's kind of both sides of it. Yeah. Glory to God. Trying to, but don't get me wrong. That does not mean that I don't like to, I mean, I want to know when things, because that's the other side we see sometimes. People say to us all the time. I, I, I mean, lots of people in our church will say, has, has said this to us. They say, well, I don't want to bother, or I didn't want to bother. Don't ever say that. Don't ever do that. Don't ever not bother us. If you need, if you need to bother us, bother us. Because it's not a bother to us. It's more a bother in your mind than it is a bother to us. We, this is what we're here for. This is what we do this for. Now, at the same time, don't call me every single time every little thing goes wrong. You know what I mean? I Like, if your refrigerator breaks, I don't care. I mean, I do. I do care. But go buy another one, get it fixed, whatever you got to do. If you need help, well, maybe we can do that. But you understand what I'm saying is that we, you, you know, don't, don't just like things that you got to figure out in your life. You know, sometimes you got to figure some stuff out. Sometimes you got to work some stuff out. You know, the Bible says work out your own salvation. It doesn't say have your pastor work it out for you. Amen. That's why I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a firm believer. I'm a firm believer in not telling people what to do. We're going to walk right by it. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> Anyways, where was I? Ten. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Thank you, Jennifer. Do not participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness. They're unfruitful, but instead even expose them. For it is dis disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. We are children of the light. We should be exposing things. Right? Yeah. That doesn't mean like necessarily, doesn't mean necessarily that you start, uh, you know, your own tabloid or something like that. Exposing your neighbors. <laughs> exposing your brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, what everybody's doing. Glory to God. You know, I, I remember, anyone remember the Mississippi Squirrel Revival? Back in the day, they had that song, and Ray Stevens had that song, and the squirrel got loose in the church, and, you know, and everybody thought it was a demon, or they thought it was an angel or something, and then, then they all started, like, confessing everything, and some people started confessing what other people were doing, you know, and, and that's not what God, that's not what it means. You don't need to confess what other people are doing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Think about all these things that this is saying here. It's talking about how we walk and pleasing God and, and being mindful of those things, right? Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Yeah. And now we get to, and do not get drunk with wine. But he's talking about unfruitful deeds of darkness. That's what he's talking about. And, and evidently, this was an issue with them. Yeah. He's saying, don't get drunk with wine. Don't fill yourself with that. Because that's, that's just, it's just another one of those things, right? As you do that, as you yield to that, what you're doing is you're not being able to be filled with the Spirit. When you're getting into excess in an area that's the flesh, because that's what he's talking about, you move away from being able to obtain excess of the Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, singing and making melody with, the, with your heart to the Lord. You know, and here's another thing. We, we, too much we, we, we get caught up in what's, what, what, what's a hymn? What's a, a spiritual song? What's a psalm? What, did, did I get to say that? The focus isn't on these, each, thing, each one of these things specifically. The focus is on what comes out of living a spirit life. You might start singing. My wife does this all the time. She's singing to the Lord. It's beautiful. Amen? At least to God it is. Just kidding. <laughs> Just wanted to see if anyone was listening. I have forgive me. Forgive me. Well, he already forgive me. <laughs> forgive me, Renee. 
no, uh, I, I do, you, 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 we, you gotta understand, we, we actually live our entire life in song, so we, uh, neither one of us claim to be wonderful singers, amen. But here's the important part, verse 20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, amen. Giving thanks. Giving thanks is worship. So all of these things, that's, it's about, it's just giving us this, this you know, this, this, this avenue, this path. It's telling us how God, you know, how God wants us to be. Worship gets us in there. Amen? Drunkenness robs your ability to be yielded to him. Drunkenness is to be filled to excess with the wrong thing. It says do not be drunk with wine, but you can be drunk on a lot of things. Amen? In fact, we use that term often, drunk on love. It's filled too much with it. Not, you know, you, in the context. Amen? Praise the Lord. So worship is not what you do, it's what you do with yourself. It can manifest in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It can manifest in the giving of thanks. It can uh, manifest in, in, in all these different things, but that's not what all that it is. It's what you do with yourself. It's how, how you do with yourself, I should say. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Luke 4, 8, and this is where we're going to close. Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Serving isn't only what you do, it's how you do. You know, whatever it is we're walking through in life, whether it's going, you know, like we, we, we go to church for whatever reasons we go to church. We have all kinds of reasons people do things. But you know, none of, that, none of that becomes worship until we're doing it the way that God has us to do it. Right. You know, it's important for us to learn to yield to each other. But at the same time, it's more important for us to yield, learn to yield to God. Right. We can please men by doing what, uh, what they want us to do or what they think. You know, and sometimes, even as a pastor, that's a difficult thing because, you know, I, I, I can... I, I can pastor my church but I still do it kind of under under an umbrella or a blanket and there's times where I see some things differently even than my my leaders do um and there's times where it's like you know I, I, I I'm like what do I do with this God how do I do and of course as a pastor it's a bit different than it is for you guys because you guys aren't leading people and until you're leading people this is why you know a lot of people we're going to be talking about ministry coming up I'm, I'm that was something that was on our hearts, you know, for people that, that have questions about it and stuff. But, you know, we shouldn't be quick to just, you know, the Bible says don't be quick to be teachers because they, they'll get judged more harshly. You know, this isn't just, oh, I get to go, come, get up here and say whatever I want to say. Yeah, I stand before the Lord with everything that I say, or I will stand before the Lord, and I will answer for everything that I say, including I say things that I say that hurt people. And so we have to be mindful of that, you know. But, uh, you know, as a pastor, sometimes I, I, I see things differently and I, I have a heart's desire to, to go in the right direction. And yet there's the pull of the flesh to, to just get in line like a good soldier and do everything that's told to me. Right. But I can't live that way. I have to do what I know the Lord is calling me to do. And what blesses me is I've studied out like some of these revivals and stuff like that. Do you know all of them? And I'm not saying I'm the next one to create a revival, but all of them came on the backs of people who got tired of doing just what they thought that they had to do and started following God and doing what, what, what they knew he was leading them to do. And that's what really pleases God. But, and out of all those things, great revivals. Well, listen, I, I don't know about great revivals, but God's going to do something here. I believe it. He planted a church, and if we're going to be part of it, then we got to follow him to do so, amen? And that's why I'm endeavoring to do so rightly. Glory to God. As we serve, 
we serve only the Lord. We don't serve men. We don't serve man. We don't serve ideas of man. We don't serve doctrines. We don't serve, uh, 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 you know, denominations. We don't serve any of these things. We serve God. That's why I love, you know, there's so much, you know, people are like, there's so many different Christian religions. How do we know which one is right? How do we know who's right? The one who's following God. That's all there is to it. If they're not following God, you know, anybody who's going to sit there and claim that they've got, they've got the, uh, they've got the market cornered, this is the way, this is the one it is. It's wrong. God doesn't work that way. If, if he worked that way, he would have made everything work that way, but God didn't make everything work that way. He wouldn't have given us all the ability to hear from the Spirit. He would have told us to follow one person led by the Spirit, and that's what we would do. But so often, people even do that in churches. People will come to a church, and, and, and they'll get hungry for things. And it's not that, you know, we, don't, we, we shouldn't sit there and oppose the church, the flow of the church either. You understand there's a way to approach things. Like, if you have an issue with something, yes, you should take that up with your leadership. You should ask them about that. And there's a way to ask people about it. You know, if your kids come to you and they say to you, you know, uh, I, I don't like the way you're doing that. Well, guess what? They're not going to get very far. Right. Amen. And the same thing as we do, like, don't think that if, someone, if I came up to you about your house and said, you know, I don't like the way you're doing that. Right. I just said, I don't, th- I don't think you're doing that right. You probably look at me and you say, you know, yeah, pound pavement, brother. Keep moving. I don't care what you like. <laughs> Amen. But it's the same thing, you know, if, we, if we're in a place that we should learn to submit, and to a degree, what the submission means is it doesn't mean that I control your life. It doesn't mean that everything I say is going to, uh, is going to point you in the direction. But what God is doing is he's taking ministers and, and he leads a group of people in a certain direction. And we all decide whether or not we're connected to that direction. And if we're connected to that direction then we need to stay connected to that direction and not try to fight it. If we need to understand something, we understand it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But do you understand that that is also a form of worship? To recognize what God has put in your midst, you know, and it's not just the power oh, the pastor, the pastor, the pastor. I think sometimes we put too much emphasis. Well, you know, there's both sides of it. There's some, some groups that put too much emphasis on pastor, and then there's others that put no emphasis on it at all, think it's, all, it's just, just Joe Blow. Nobody, not just anybody can stand up here. God puts people in certain positions for a reason. Amen. The question is, is where are we supposed to be? Where are we connected? And when we know that, God, uh, God will work in us and through that and will work things out of us into us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. But the focus has got to be on him. And maybe I'm going to get myself in trouble for saying this, but as I, as I study these things out, I start seeing that where everything goes wrong is when everybody's, uh, you know, because even the Church of God became a denomination, and it, wasn't, it was founded against denominations. Isn't that interesting? It became a denomination with creeds and, you know, and, 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 and I was reading, it's, it was a book written by the, one of the founders of it. Um, praise the Lord. But that's free, no charge. Glory to God. Follow God. Serve him only. 